We're going to worship uh, some more after uh, we hear from God's word. It's good to have you all. Thank you for being here. Um, it's a good looking family, I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a joy and a privilege to be part of a family like this. So thank you for uh, your part in it and your place in it. Um, I'd like to read this poem to you. And what I want you to know is this poem was written by a wonderful sister that we have here. Her name is Reen Walker, and she's um, been coming to our church for, I don't know, it's been maybe a month or two now. And, uh, it's a joy to call her friend and sister, and I want to read a poem that she wrote. And it was uh, something we talked about last week, but she didn't bring it. So I said, I'd love to hear it. And she brought it today. And the Lord was like, hey, the church needs to hear this. So I'm going to read it uh, because it plays into what God wants to speak to us today through his word in Acts chapter four. It's called The Road Called Me. It says, hello, beloved one, blessed of the father that gave his only begotten son that you and I may give the same love to others. Sometimes when we get tired, when I think about Jesus, when he carried that cross, I have no complaints. And when I think about him being beaten until the skin on his back was raw, I have no complaints. When they spat in his face, I ceased from thinking about me. And when they nailed him to the cross, I knew that it was something more powerful than me. It was the son who stood in the gap for me that I may stand in the gap for others. We, as those who are called by his name, must always have him in mind when we detour down that road called me. That cross had you and I in mind and the whole world. On that third day, he, Jesus, got up. So if he got up, you and I can get up and rise from our daily woes and put on Jesus, pick up the cross in our lives and walk. Thank you, Miss Reen. You remember this commercial that used to play back in the day when Staples was a thing? You guys remember Staples? They had this commercial. Ryan has a little kid in class and he's asking, this teacher asks him this really hard question. He reaches underneath and hits that easy button. There's a guy trying to break this horse and he reaches in his saddlebag and hits that easy button. You remember this commercial? Then there's a dad, it's pretty hilarious. There's two twins and he's trying to change both their diapers. Hits that easy button. Do you ever wish our faith in Jesus had an easy button? You ever wish that the walk that we have to walk had an easy button? I do. I do. I wish I could open up this Bible and in the front I could hit that easy button. And all of a sudden life would not be so difficult. That the things that happened because of Jesus would be easier. In this country, the persecution that we experience is so subtle that we don't even know we're experiencing it. The persecution that you and I experience pales in comparison to the life of difficulty, sacrifice, and hardship that is all around the world to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's not to negate the fact that following Jesus is hard. Right? To... To live a life of obedience to Almighty God is not easy, in fact. That's why poems like this are helpful. And it's why the Word of God is helpful. Today, we're going to find out, because I know that some of you, right, this morning would have liked to hit that easy button. <laughs> Me too, you're in a good company. That easy button would be real helpful. 
I'm the bearer of bad news. There is no easy button. We're going to find out today, though, how we keep going even though there's not an easy button in our faith. What is it that helped his followers, Peter and John specifically today in Acts chapter 4, what is it specifically that helped them when they had fierce opposition, when they were actually hauled into jail? We're going to find out what do you do when there is no easy button. We're going to dive in. I hope that it's encouraging to you. Remember that we're going through the book of Acts a chapter a week. Now, it's ridiculous to think we're going to get to everything every Sunday. And if you're waiting that, that Sunday's your only time that you study this, you're going to feel real hungry still. So my encouragement is that you take what we don't, I want you to study it on your own. Read the book of Acts. Dive in. Ask questions. Read some commentaries. Send me an email. If you don't, if, if you're like, hey, I don't understand this part, or hey, I don't agree with this, or hey, your sermon was terrible, you can send that email to someone else. But all the other ones you can talk to me about. No, I'm just kidding. So what I want you to do is study this on your own because there's no way for us to get every single verse in one week. But I do want to, we're gonna touch base on most of this chapter. Remember this, where chapter three, we found Peter doing what? He had healed a crippled beggar on the way to church and people were freaking out about it. And then when they asked him about it, he said, look, this wasn't us. We didn't do this. This was the name of Jesus. There's power and authority in the name of Jesus. And we told you, remember, chapters three and four specifically focus on the name of Jesus, and today is no different. And as he's telling them, see, the people who are gonna be confronting him many weeks earlier, not many weeks earlier, rather, had convicted Jesus to die, right? The same Sanhedrin, this is the religious court of the day, made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. There's a song about it. I don't want to be a Pharisee. You remember this song? I don't. I didn't grow up in church, but somebody taught it to me when I was older. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, although they missed the, the Messiah. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So what was happening is Peter was telling them that the Jesus had been resurrected, that there was a resurrected Christ, that he was alive, and they were pretty upset about it. Right? The implications of a resurrected Jesus are pretty big. Right, The only religious figure to come back to life and to be alive, it's a big deal. Chapter four, verse one says this. The priests and captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now, it's reasonable to know that it says the number of men grew to 5,000, but there were women and kids, there were people outside of men who heard the message and who believed the message. So it went from 3,000 to a lot more. And it didn't matter that they had been seized. It didn't matter that they had taken them to jail. People believed the message because they were not preaching something of themselves. They were preaching something of God, right? In the name of Jesus, by his authority and power and God's work worked. So the next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. What you need to know is this court was corrupt. 
right? It's nothing that we have ever experienced in our lives, but this court was corrupt. I'm just saying, is everybody awake today? Okay. Amen. Listen, and so what was happening is it was kind of passed down in the family, right? In this religious court, right, it was, it was really, um, it didn't have any power or authority in God's eyes. They were operating out of their own selfish gain. And they asked this question, by what power or name do you do this? By what power or what name do you do this? What power and what name are you proclaiming this resurrection in? And this is actually really interesting. If you look in John chapter 15, John chapter 17, if you look in the book of Matthew, Jesus was also questioned about this. Do you remember this, right? People are like, he casts out demon by the name of Beelzebub. By, basically by the devil, he casts out demons. And Jesus is like, oh, let me tell you something. Why would I cast out in the name of the devil the demons that he is with? That's a divided house. He says, you have a problem, though, if I do this in the name and power and authority of God. And he goes into this question because he's trying to help them understand this is not some earthly thing that's happening. This is, this is an eternal heavenly power that is taking place in your lives, and you need to deal with it. You need to be confronted by it, and you need to respond in humility. Like, this is the same question. It's like they always want to know, this must be something different now, right? When they crippled the healed beggar, he said, no, it's in the name of Jesus that I did this. This is not in the name of Peter or John or anybody else. This is the name of Jesus that healed this man and made him whole. That's in what power and name. What's interesting is that they were seized. They were taken into custody And I want you to understand, it's important that we understand this, and we're going to get into this a little bit later. It was because they were proclaiming Jesus Christ that they were seized. They were put in jail because they were proclaiming Jesus as the only way to wholeness and healing and salvation. What's interesting is that the early church, they didn't have a pretty big budget. Right? They didn't have seminary professors teaching. In fact, I don't think the disciples could get hired anymore to lead the church today. They're not qualified. We don't have the budget to pay them. I don't think they could put a program together to save their lives. I don't even know if we'd let them join the church. A bunch of stinky fishermen and People who aren't educated walk into Peter's office. What do you see on the wall? You'd see Billy the Bass singing you a song is what you'd see. There wouldn't be a plaque. There would not be a certificate of educated man. And it goes on. It says this, by what power and what name? And this is, this is good. I'm gonna have to walk on this one. This is, it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. Have you been in a conversation like this before where people are questioning you and holding you to account for a kindness shown? (laughs) Because somebody was healed in the name of Jesus? 
And if you've ever had the opportunity to look somebody dead in the eye and say, listen, if you're asking me a question directly about what you just experienced, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, excuse me, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Salvation, this word salvation, saved, it means to be made whole. If you want to know how to be saved from the consequences of your own sin and you want to know how to be made whole, then know this, it is only by the name of Jesus that a man can be saved. I'm not, I didn't write it, I'm just telling you what it says. He says, look, if you want to know the answer to the question that you're asking, there is no secret, it's not magic, it's not probably going to make you feel good necessarily. He's not saved by his own righteousness. These people are not made whole by their affiliations, by their success or their bank account. This man has been made whole for one reason and one reason only, by one name and one name only, and that name is Jesus for the glory of God and by his power alone. Now, he didn't yell at him. He might not have been quite as fiery as, I don't know, he's Peter. He might have been super fiery. I hope he was, just because it makes me feel better. He says, and then their response, this is their response is wonderful. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, praise God and hallelujah, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, when you meet a pastor, what is your question? Do you know the question that I get asked more often than anything else? Do you go to seminary? What seminary did you go to? Where'd you graduate college? I'm just gonna be super transparent in case you didn't know. I did not graduate college and I've not been to seminary. Some of you are like, we're not coming back here next week, sweetheart. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I have been with Jesus. And the thing that will set you apart and will set me apart and what will set this church apart is not that we hold more titles and have more plaques on the wall than anybody else. It will be because we have been with Jesus. And that the power of his spirit is at work in ordinary, unschooled men and women and schooled men and women and PhDs and whatever. But people will not take note because Bayou City Fellowship is cooler, hipper, and more educated than the rest of the world. It will be because we are with Jesus and we have the power at work in us. And the world will not be changed because we are more educated than everybody else. The world did not start to be changed with educated, well-equipped people. It started with fishermen and a physician and a tax collector and a bunch of other broken, jacked up people who had been with Jesus. And that relationship is what changed the world. 
It is the same relationship that changed your world if you're a Christian in the room. And it's the same thing that's gonna change the world moving forward. If you're a teenager or you are a kid, let me tell you, go to college, do all the things, but make sure that you are in relationship to Jesus because that's gonna be the thing that God uses to change the world through you. They took note. Their courage came from their relationship with Jesus. Their confidence came from their relationship with Jesus. And the truth that they spoke didn't come from Bible study, though this is extraordinarily important. The word of God was in them. Peter had been rattling off scripture the whole time. It was in him. He had learned from Jesus. He'd been taught when he was growing up. But if it is for knowledge only, and we don't know how to put it to practice, it's worthless. The Pharisees knew the word better than anybody in this room. And they missed the Messiah. They didn't have the relationship. Goes on and says, but since they could not, <laughs> this is great. It says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. This, remember, he was, he was the man, crippled beggar, waiting. He had jumped up and was praising God because God healed his legs, and he's standing there before them. That didn't happen. Yes, it did. <laughs> I was a filthy, terrible sinner. I swore like a sailor, I hated the church, and I persecuted people all the time. And I'm not that way anymore. No, you're, yes, sir. I'm right here. You can't deny the power of God when it's standing in front of you. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. It says this. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred and they said, what are we gonna do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men not to speak any longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. See, here's how the enemy works. All the enemy has is threats. Don't you dare talk about the name of Jesus in school. Says who? Don't you dare talk about Jesus at work. You stop telling people about the power of God and the name of Jesus. If you don't, you're gonna go to jail. This is what happened. I'm just telling you what happened here. They ordered them to stop telling people and proclaiming salvation in the name of Jesus. Because that's all the enemy has. And that's all they had. They could not deny the power of God. They could not deny that the name of Jesus had more authority and power than they'd have ever seen. Because the miracle was standing in front of them. He said what? Go and wait for my spirit to be what? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. The reason you are sitting here is because they were not quiet. Now be clear. They were not quiet about proclaiming what? Jesus. They were persecuted because of Jesus. 
They were standing on trial because of Jesus. And for that name only, they stood trial. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We couldn't, we can't help it. Even if you told us, it's something that we're compelled to do. When I wake up in the morning, I can't help but tell people about the glory of God in the name of Jesus because his power is at work, because this man was healed, because he's doing things I can't control. And it makes me uncomfortable, but you tell me if it's right to obey you rather than God. After further threats, they let them go. What are they gonna do? They couldn't decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. And when they had heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they proclaimed the goodness of God they get arrested for it. They get put in jail. They come back. They're questioned. They tell them it's only in Jesus that this man is made whole and saved. And then they tell, order them, do not speak about Jesus. Do not speak about Jesus. And they say, look, we appreciate your threat, but I have to obey God, not you. They weren't nasty about it. They just said, this is the case. This is what I have to do. And when they're released, they didn't post about it, they prayed about it. They didn't tell everybody how right they were, they hit their knees. They didn't assert that they won, they praised God. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant. And he talks about David. Why do nations rave? Psalm 2 is what they prayed. And they talked about how Pontius Pilate, they conspired against Jesus. They're acknowledging what God has done. In prayer, reminding, not, they're not reminding God of something he doesn't know, they're reminding themselves about how they got to where they are. Verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they did not pray for was the destruction of their enemies. They did not pray for safety. They did not pray to be taken out of the circumstance. They prayed for God to enable them to speak his word with great boldness. He prayed for healing. They prayed for miraculous signs. They prayed for God to keep working. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled all with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know what's interesting? This is not a second Pentecost, but it was another filling of the Spirit. And the filling did not, it did not equal tongues, did it? This manifestation was a great boldness given to the church so that they could endure the persecution that was going to continue to be present I want you to hear this. 
They didn't ask for protection, they asked for power. We live in a world that is so concerned with safety that we miss opportunities to proclaim Jesus and the power that God gave us. We are so concerned with being protected from the world that we don't engage the world. I'm not talking about activism and political gain. I'm talking about the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about being right or winning the argument. I'm talking about proclaiming salvation in Christ alone, regardless of the consequences. That's a lot different, you guys. Being, you can get hauled to jail for all sorts of stuff. But what they were doing and what we're talking about today is proclaiming the name of Jesus. There are a lot of things that we should be upset about, that we should engage in, that we should talk about, that we should seek justice for, that we should do in the world. But if we don't proclaim the name of Jesus, none of it matters. Because what makes people whole and what fixes brokenness is Jesus and Jesus alone. I want all the things to be fixed too, to be clear. I would love for people to engage one another as people, period. I would love the courts not to be corrupt like they were in Jesus' day and they will be for the rest of time. I would love for the system to not stink. But I can tell you this. Every man, woman, and child that does not have faith in Christ alone will spend eternity separated from him and it is the church who is supposed to proclaim that Jesus to the world. I wonder what our experience is, where our persecution comes from. So how do we live like these guys? And we're gonna wrap it up so we can keep worshiping God and music and prayer and encouragement. Do we ever experience persecution? <laughs> if we don't experience persecution, most likely, it's not because we are walking the walk. Because Jesus, listen, do you know that Jesus told them, go look in all the gospels. Jesus told his disciples, if they hated me, they're gonna hate you too. In fact, it says in the book of Luke, it says, they're gonna haul you into court. They're going to arrest you on my account, but don't worry about what you're gonna say. Peter did not have this memorized. This was not some response he had written down because he went to a rally earlier in the day. The Holy Spirit empowered him to speak truth. And Jesus told them, that's what you need to do. Don't worry about it. You don't have to yell and scream, fight and kick. When you get hauled into courts, I'm gonna give you what you need because there's that relationship. I'm not gonna say that. That's gonna hurt your feelings. I'm gonna just hold on to that one. So how do we live like this? How do we stand firm and have courage as we proclaim the healing and salvation of Jesus? One word, abide. Abide. John, in John, Jesus says, look, if you abide in me, you'll have everything that you need. So to help you remember, this is what I'm gonna write. Abide, A, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Only in his name is there power, salvation, and healing. This is what Peter did. B, Bravery with humility. Peter and John were not yelling, cussing, screaming, and slandering people to be right. I know you don't know anybody like that, but maybe some things that you've seen around. 
Bravery with humility. Stay humble and remember that the how is just as important as the what. I, be in tune with the spirit. They were in tune with God. They were waiting for him. They were letting the spirit lead them. D, deny intimidation. Look, I don't mean deny intimidation like let's get in a fight. I mean, take threats for what they're worth, which is exactly nothing. You can still obey God and not, like what, what, what will happen if they're like, oh, I guess we can't talk about Jesus anymore. Well, I guess we'll go fishing. Look, your kids are allowed to talk about Jesus. Did you know that? In school. Did you know that? You're allowed to talk about Jesus at work. Listen, I'm gonna say what I was gonna say. We will fight for our American freedom, but we don't even use that freedom to tell people about Jesus. We will go to war to protect our American liberties, but we don't use our liberty in this country to proclaim Jesus. And we wonder why the world's falling apart. I'm not talking about going to war over Jesus. I'm just simply telling you that you have freedom in Christ to proclaim his name and you might get arrested and you give me a call and I'll come bail you out if it's for Jesus, <laughs> to be absolutely clear. You get hauled into jail for being dumb, I'm gonna let you stay in there a little while just like I would my own kids. And E, exercise your prayer muscle. Prayer is the way that we stay in tune with the movement of God and hear what he needs us to hear so that we can say and do what he wants us to say and do. I wonder what if our private prayer life was such that we saw the public power of God. I wonder if our private prayer life was so in tune with God that we could see the movement of God in the world. Abide, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord have bravery with humility, stay in tune with the spirit, deny intimidation, and exercise your prayer muscle. I wonder if we could stand and proclaim the name of Jesus like Peter did, if it just might change the world like it already has. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to stand firm as we experience persecution because it will come. God, that prayer would be our fuel and that we would see your power at work in our lives. We're gonna ask those who help with prayer to come up. If you need prayer, you'd like to pray for someone, this is the time to do it. Also, this is normally the time where we give our offering and um, we're not doing that in the room right now, so you can do that online. Uh, you can give your tithe there or there's a box on the way out. But if you need prayer and you like to worship that way, I'm gonna ask that you all stand up. And as we sing this song, as we continue to worship with another one, that you would... Um, yeah, just be free to uh, engage God in this moment.